you. Thank you, one and all. Uh, thank you, mothers, for making this day possible. Um, I was looking back through my, my sermon notes from the years, and I noticed that in my, my Dropbox folder, I had a sermon from Mother's Day 2020, and then a sermon from Mother's Day 2022, and now a sermon from Mother's Day 2023. And I skipped 2021, but that's because my mother was here preaching, so it's become a bit of a Schroeder slot. I apologize. But uh, yeah, I always feel like Mother's Day services feel exactly like Mother's Day in that like we're here to like make mums feel special, but at the end of the day, it's just so much work for all the mums. It's just like, it's like we love you, but we also need you to do a whole lot of stuff to make this day work. But uh, happy Mother's Day, everyone. It's a, a special day when we uh, get to celebrate the women in our lives, um, especially the mothers that have played that nurturing role. Uh, and the women that have played that nurturing role, we think of grandmas and, and moms and aunties and cousins, uh, those female family friends that have always been there. And we just want to say a, a big thank you to you guys. And uh, yeah, happy Mother's Day. We, we love you. Um, traditionally, Mother's Day has been a, a huge day for church attendance. Um, Lifeway Research did a, a poll of uh, Protestant pastors in America um, about which special days would have the highest attendance. Um, so, you know, thinking of like, uh, you know, <clears throat> New Year's Day and Christmas and Easter and Father's Day and all those types of days, um, Pentecost and all that. And of all the special days in the calendar year, Mother's Day ranks third in terms of the highest attendance in churches in America. Um, and it comes behind Easter being first and then Christmas being second. Uh, Father's Day was on the list, but it was also a very long list. Um, so, like, you know, we were playing our role in bookending things in Mother's Day and Father's Day. Um, so I won't mention where the Father's Day landed. But I think the fact that Mother's Day is, like, one of the most attended services of the year sort of speaks to the hearts of mums. Um, there is often a very others-centered heart to, to mums. And I know for a fact that the fact that mums are dragging their families along to a Mother's Day service rather than other activities that they could be doing really shows that as much as Mother's Day is about mums, mums are still very much about their families. And so we just want to say a big thank you. We want a, uh, a chance to publicly honour you guys, um, to the mums and the women of significance in our Sunday service. There's a lot to be celebrated, uh, a whole lot to recognise, and it's right that we get to do it. Uh, mums really do a whole lot. Uh, a lot more than they probably should and a lot more than we often recognize. Um, the BBC, yeah, the BBC uh, re uh, released an article back in 2021. Uh, the article was titled, uh, The Hidden Load, How Thinking About Everything Holds Mums Back. Now, this is uh, from the article. It said, uh, from organizing a play date or booking the kids' medical checkups, uh, which Rach did, thank you, last night after a kid fell off the table and headbutted the floor, um, uh, working out how to hide vegetables in their evening meals or ensuring there's enough on the shopping list, worrying about whether your son is on track at school, your daughter needs new shoes, when to replace the washing machine. On their own, these may all seem like small tasks, but they mount up. And if you ask traditional couples with children which partner is most likely to handle them, it is probably that most would offer the same answer, the mother. <clears throat> Numerous studies have shown that women in traditional relationships still do the bulk of the housework and childcare. Uh, many couples aim to split their responsibilities 50-50.
yet for various structural and socio-economic reasons, end up allocating tasks along typically gendered lines. Even in couples who think that they have achieved an equal division of labor, the more hidden forms of care generally end up falling to the women. And it's also called the invisible, unlimited work, which is really exciting. Women, you get to enjoy the invisible and unlimited work. Woo! Yeah. Um, I've, I've got to experience uh, this personally. Uh, just the other week, uh, my wife was feeling sick, so we locked her away in the bedroom. We locked her up in a dungeon for five days while I had to look after the kids and work. And I tell you what, I think I was more glad to see my wife walking down the corridor from her bedroom after day five than I was when I saw her walking down the aisle at our wedding. <laughs> like, after five days of sickness, she might not have had the glow of a bride walking down the aisle, but I was still much more happy with that picture that greeted me. Um, so, yes, thank you for uh, getting better. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, while I, I don't mean to imply that, you know, all women are saints and all men are sloths, uh, because we know that's not the case, uh, we would be feigning ignorance if we didn't at least admit to the fact that the heart and actions of mum in the caring and nurturing of our children is a, a really high priority for them. And one of the characteristics of mothers uh, that I would really love to highlight is their ability to hold in tandem the needs of today with the goals of the future. The needs of today and the goals of the future. And what I mean by this is there are so many urgent needs. And I use the term need quite loosely because when you have kids, everything is a need. Um, and, you know, the need change from, changes from one thing to the next if you just let five minutes pass. But there are these constant daily needs, um, you know, these constant flow of wants, this constant flow of desires and then on top of that, there's also these long-term goals that we hold for our family. Sure, there is the imminent need of, uh, you know, laundry, or the imminent need of school lunches, or the imminent need of zipping up jackets, or tying shoelaces, or, but there's also the long-term awareness of building healthy habits, building good routines, calendar coordination, booking in appointments, and on and on and on it goes. And I guess a good way to describe this is that mums often have a bigger view. They often have a bigger understanding and a bigger view. A view that takes in more than what is just happening now. And a view that is aware of what will be happening and needs to happen in the future. And I think, as I was thinking about this, this tension that lots of parents and mothers especially hold, I was reminded of a similar characteristic that, that God has that feels similar to this. A God who sees the now, but also, but also has the, the big view, the long play in mind. And there's a, there's a passage in Second Peter, which is the second letter that Peter has written to a network of new churches. Uh, and in this letter, Peter offers challenges and warnings to churchgoers and church leaders. Uh, and in the first chapter, <clears throat> Peter offers an invitation for the readers to really live in this new life that they have received through Jesus, through a relationship with Jesus. And in this new life, they start to take on the characteristics of God. And Peter also defends the teachings about Jesus from people who are trying to start poking holes in the faith. And then in the second chapter of this, uh, Second Peter, Peter is again 
defending the faith against false claims, uh, against false teachers, and people bringing up opposition to the teachings of Jesus. And then chapter 3 rolls around, uh, and people are saying that the teaching of the disciples and the teaching of the church leaders isn't true, because if it was true, then where is Jesus now? Where is the return of Jesus? You said that he was going to come back, and I don't see him. And this is where we find the passage for today. Peter is sharing with people that our, our small understanding of time and our small understanding of God's plan is not the same understanding of time and his plan that God has. We need to zoom out a bit and step out of our immediate wants, our immediate needs and our immediate desires and get a glimpse of the big picture and the foresight that God has. And so we'll be reading from 2 Peter chapter 3 and it's verses 8 to 14. But you must not forget this one thing, this is Peter. Uh, Dear friends, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord is coming as unexpectedly as a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire, and the elements will melt away in flames, and we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth as he's promised a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. Uh, Let me pray real quick. Our Heavenly Father, we just want to thank You for You. We want to thank You for Your goodness and Your goodness to us. Lord, we want to thank You for the gift of relationship, uh, the gift of Your relationship with us that You initiate and You activate, uh, the gift of parents and especially the gift of mums. Uh, Lord, I just pray that as we come to, to come together today to celebrate uh, these women of influence in our lives, Lord, uh, that we are first and foremost reminded of your character as well. Uh, Lord, we love you and we pray that you'll continue to speak to us through your word as this service continues. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, it says, a day is like uh, a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And so there was a man, he was speaking to God. And he said, God, is it true that a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years? And God replied, that is true. And then he said, well, would it also be true that to you like a million dollars is like a dollar and a dollar is like a million dollars? And God says, well, yes, that is true. And he said, well, you see, I'm quite a poor man. Um, And I was wondering if you could give me a dollar. And God said, sure, just give me a day to sort it out. But... um. Now, this might seem like a a slightly strange passage to be bringing to you on a Mother's Day, but I just couldn't get through, I just couldn't get past, I should say, the imagery uh, of people misunderstanding and underestimating the goodness and the power of God because they underestimate and misunderstand the scope of God's view. Um, I remember one year, my mom is preaching at another church right now, so she's not at home watching this online, so I can say what she wants until she arrives at our house later today. Um, but I remember one year, I was really cranky with my mum. This is when I was a little kid. 
um, uh, because she wouldn't let me rent Space Jam on VHS. This is back when we had all the video stores, um, and you'd go in and you'd peruse the section, and Space Jam had come out, and my mum would not let me rent it. And I, sh I am sure that I mentioned it dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Uh, and then one day, uh, one time we'd gone, we'd gone to the video store, and again, I'd put forward my desires, and once again, they were shut down by my mother. Uh, and I remember we came home, we'd obviously borrowed something else, less good, and I was being a real sooky lala about it, stropping around the house. And then she took me into her room, and she opened the cupboard, and she pulled out from the cupboard a brand new copy of Space Jam on VHS. So she had heard my cries, uh, she'd heard my petitions and my pleas, and in her power and in her love, she'd reached out and already purchased this incredible story of Michael Jordan and the Looney Tunes taking on the Monstars. And she was just waiting for the time to be right to bless me with it. Mum had plans for me, plans to see me watch Space Jam, <laughs> but not plans to see me waste my money renting Space Jam when we would own it just a little bit later. But my mind was so focused on what I want now and getting what I wanted now that I did not trust that my mum had a better understanding of what was right for me. You understand? Now, I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate to that situation, maybe not Space Jam, but if there is a lesson to be learnt here, it is that it is to trust that sometimes mums know best. Mums listen to you even when you don't think they are. Uh, they know what is going on even when you don't think they do. And most importantly, they care. Now, I'm not a type of guy to be bossing uh, women around, especially mothers, but I'm going to do that right now. And it is uh, my request that I think we take a little hiatus from the service as it is going. And I'm going to ask that every wife and every mother in this room actually vacate the chapel. We want you guys to get up off your seats, all the mums, all the wives. If you are able to leave your children with the parent, another parent, another father, that would be fantastic. If you have to take them with you, you can. But I'm going to ask that every wife and every mother in this room actually exit out the back you are going to turn left and then go into room one where we are going to treat you to something a little bit lovely now. So every wife, every mother, if you have to take your children, that's fine. If you're able to leave them, fantastic. Yes. Well done, well done. Give them a cheer, give them a cheer. That's it, we want to see you guys walking out and we want you going into room one. We have something special planned for you in room one. All the wives, all the mothers, I don't care about all the nuances in those terms, but all the wives and all the mothers, if you can leave your children, fantastic. If you have to take them with you, that is totally fine as well. But we have a little, little something special planned for you in room one that we're excited to share. This just makes me excited for Father's Day as well. Ooh, let's see. What have we got in here? Let's turn that camera around. Ooh, no, ooh. Ah, ah. That's not what I wanted to see. Ah, oh, lovely, lovely. So, uh, in, uh, in room one, we've got a, a bit of a, a lovely little 
tea and uh, oh, oh, that's what we want. Well done, well done. And the rest of you have to just sit in here with me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But don't worry, I'm sure they will save some for you because they're mothers and they think of other people, so don't worry. But, so, as, as Peter was writing this letter, sorry, we have to go back to the sermon, I apologize. But as Peter was writing this letter, he's dealing with these tensions from the early church folk. And so, the early church folk and the people that were around the early church, they had started to complain. They'd started to get a little bit edgy because things weren't moving at the speed they assumed they would move at. Things weren't happening when they thought they would happen. The church had grown, the church had good size and good numbers, and now they wanted Jesus to return. They wanted to have the good times roll. And, you know, I want this to happen now because I'm ready for this to happen in my life. And regardless of what this might mean for other people, I want this to happen now. Ooh, sorry, I just got distracted by the cakes. All right, we might have to turn that one off the screens, otherwise it might get a bit distracting because I'm going to start drooling over my iPad. Oh, perfect. But a specific issue that kept on coming up time and time again in this early church and the thing that people kept on bringing up was the fact that Christ would never return because he hadn't returned yet. God was never going to return or Jesus was never going to return because he hadn't already returned and therefore he was never returning. It had been too long. Too many things had happened. Too much time had passed. He was not coming again. Uh, Jesus was not returning. There was going to be no judgment for sin. And so this sort of really fractures your whole understanding of faith when one of the key things that you're waiting on hasn't happened. And so Peter responds with what I think is just this fantastic answer that brings in a whole range of things. Firstly, Peter says, well, first and foremost... God made the world, and with ownership, and with that ownership and that creation, God has the authority and the ability to do as He pleases. He sets laws and patterns and science into motion, and He did so according to His own will. We are His creation. Even when we don't adhere to His will, we are His domain. And this one made me laugh a bit when I was thinking about uh, parenting, like, I made this child, I set this person into being, they are my creation, but unlike God, I seemingly have zero control over them. But God has complete control over His creation. Creation is His. And God is not locked into our expectation of what creation should be doing. He's not locked into fulfilling the expectations of doing what His creation thinks that He should do. He is locked into His will, He is locked into his word and his character. God dictates what God does. And God dictates when God should do those things. In fact, there are so many occasions that in hindsight, I'm so thankful and grateful that God is not controlled by my whims and my desires. Because try as I might, there will always be this natural tendency of mine to want things that work out best for me and want things that work out best for the people that I love. And it's hard for me to get out of my own bubble and out of my own way when I'm considering what is best for everyone. But God, in His infinite wisdom 
and power is able to see and understand all that is happening and all that will happen. And not just how something affects one person but how, or one group of people, but understanding how things affect humanity. And I think of Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 6, that says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. At just the right time. God knows, God is in control, and God has the authority to make decisions for humanity because he made humanity. And then secondly, Peter brings up the fact that God is not bound by time the same way that we are bound by time. It is not that, you know, God uh, doesn't understand how time works or that God doesn't own a watch or God doesn't know how to change the batteries in his clock. It is that we, human beings, are temporary. And so our view of life is temporary where God is eternal, and his understanding of life and time is eternal. We get so caught up in things happening in this short time frame, because in the grand scheme of things, we only have a short amount of time. But God not only has eternity, but he has the knowledge of eternity to add to that. So when we think of God not acting or God not listening, or God not buying me that Space Jam VHS thing, or that God is slow in action. We need to remember that God is not incapable, God is not incompetent. And Peter is quick to point out that in God's waiting, we see evidence of God's patience, and we see evidence of God's mercy for a people that he desires to bring into relationship with him. Verse 9 says, God isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. And that's a beautiful attribute of our God. A beautiful characteristic that God would slow himself down for our sake. That he would pace himself with the knowledge that his patience And his pace works in our favor. I think of how uh, we so often try to rush our children because of our timelines. And in doing so, we often make things worse. Um, Charles Spurgeon once said, Mercy may seem slow, but it is sure. The Lord in his unfailing wisdom has appointed a time for the outgoings of his gracious power. And God's time is the best time. It isn't easy uh, to, to understand that God is outside of time and above time because we don't, we don't exist in that space. But we should trust in God's eternal nature, even if we don't fully comprehend it. And know that God has all time in his view and all time in his consideration. Thirdly, The character of God has love at its center. And so therefore, he cares for the people of this world. Uh, A final thing that Peter points out is that, yes, judgment will come eventually. Uh, Jesus will return eventually. And he uses imagery of, of the heavens and the elements burning. In other passages, it says, like, you know, the hills will melt like wax, everything being raised to the ground in the presence of the return of Jesus. Yes, there is that. But there is a patience to this return that isn't born 
from laziness or weakness, but a patience that is born from God's love for His creation. God loves us. His patience is a sign of that love. His patience is a sign of that grace and mercy. Verse 9 says, you know, yes, the Lord isn't being slow about His promise as some people think. No, He is being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but everyone to repent. Or the message puts it this way. God isn't late with His promise as some measure lateness. He is restraining Himself on your account. Holding back the end because He doesn't want anyone lost. He is giving everyone space and time to change. Uh, There is a verse in in 1 John, 1 John 4.19, and it says this. We love each other because He first loved us. And this reminds me that our ability to love comes from our understanding and our experience of God's love. In this passage, we catch a vision of God's love, a love that is patient, a love that is long-suffering, a love that is seeking the best for as many as possible, which, if I can be so bold, really reminds me of a mother's love. I think the heart of what I'm trying to say is this, that a major source of our frustrations with God is when our expectations get out of alignment with God's reality. Uh, A major source of our frustrations with uh, our children or children's frustrations with their parents or husbands to wives, wives to husbands, friends, teams, communities is when our expectations get out of alignment with other people's realities. But when we submit ourselves under God, to humble ourselves and to acknowledge God's control, to acknowledge God's timing, and to earnestly accept God's love, then our frustrations with the expectations that we have become a lot more manageable. I might just ask the worship team if they want to jump back up. Um, John Bloom uh, writes this. And this is what I'll close with. For Jesus trusted that the Father's desire would result in the greatest good for the greatest glory of the triune God, for the, for the greatest amount of joy possible for all his saints. God's one great dream. And so, even while sweating blood in torturous expectation of his impending execution, Jesus exclaimed to the Father, Not as I will, but as you will. And so this must be our prayer too. But unlike Jesus, sin still lingers in us. Things of man, desires mixing with things of God, desires. Which, if we are not careful, can turn our pursuit of the kingdom dreams into satanic diversions. So in addition, let us pray. Whatever it takes, Lord, align my desires with yours so that my dreams align with your purpose. Let your will be done through me. I guess what I want you to take away from this is we often get frustrated that maybe God isn't working, that God isn't moving, that things aren't happening to our pace and to our timing. But we need to understand that we don't control God. We didn't make God. God makes us. And we didn't create time. 
God created time and he uses it for his purpose, for the greater good of all people. And then we also need to trust that at the heart of all that God is doing, there is a love that is incomparable and undeniable and greater than anything that we ever feel towards other people. We think that we love our kids or our husbands and our wives or our friends or whatever. Like that love in comparison to God's love for us is very little. So we need to just remember to submit ourselves to God, to trust that he is good, to trust that he is in control and that God's timing is the best timing, even if we don't fully understand it right now.